This morning we have a guest speaker with us. His name is Sujith Alex and he is the pastor, the Assemblies of God pastor in Bury St. Edmunds. So why don't you give him a huge round of applause to welcome him. Yeah. As he's going to come and bring the word of God. I'm very excited. Thank you, Jean. Well, good morning. Are we all doing well? Amen. This morning I want to share uh, with you from the book of 2 Kings in chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, uh, could you please turn to the second, uh, to the fourth chapter of 2 Kings. We're going to read the first seven verses. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. And I, I came here and I was thinking about uh, a title that I should perhaps give to what I'm going to say today. And then as we were singing and worshipping, I thought a good title for today's message will be just to say, God is awesome in this place. So, God is awesome in this place. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So, if you're there, say Amen. Amen. Second Kings chapter 4 verses 1 to 7. Now the wife of a member of the company of prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She answered, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. He said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, Empty vessels and not just a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your children and start pouring into all these vessels. When each is full, set it aside. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. But he said to her, there is no more. There are no more. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your children can live on the rest. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you that you are awesome in this place. We want to thank you that, Lord, there is nothing impossible for you. This morning we commit, Lord Jesus, your word, and we commit, Lord Jesus, what you're going to speak, Lord Jesus, into your hands. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will come and speak to us in very specific ways. We thank you that your word says that your word is like the rain and the snow that comes from heaven. It waters the earth. It makes it bud and bring forth. And it does not go back to you without accomplishing its purpose. It gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So accomplish your purpose this morning. Bind every work of the enemy that may so seek to hinder your perfect will from prevailing in your house this morning. We give you praise in advance for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, turn to someone and say, are you ready to be blessed? Say that. God's going to do something. Amen. The Bible says that a, a widow, a widow, a woman came to Elisha and said, My husband is dead. He feared God, but he's dead. And now a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. Have you ever been disappointed that you followed God, yet life has not worked out the way? You thought it would work out? You seem to be praying right and you seem to be fasting right and you seem to be going to church right and you seem to be doing everything right. 
Yet one of the biggest disappointments we will have to live with is the disappointment of wondering what went wrong when I thought everything was right. Ever been there? Disappointed because you feared the Lord, you served God, yet there are issues in your personal life that are not yet resolved. What do you do when you follow God with all your heart? What do you do when you try and follow God to the best of your knowledge and to the best of your ability, yet there are things in your life that remain remain unresolved? Have you ever lived with the disappointment of things going wrong when you followed God right? What do you do? The Bible says this woman was a widow, her husband had died have you ever lived with the regrets of what could have been and what should have been what if my husband was still alive what if he had not yet died see when we go through difficult times and when we look at the mountains that face us one of the things that will eat your head with thoughts are the thoughts of wondering what if what if i had made a better choice what if someone had encouraged me what if someone had helped me what if someone had given me an opportunity what do you do when you live life and you live it with the regret of thinking what if ever been there what do you do when your personal problem now affects somebody else this woman obviously was in debt But that debt was now starting to affect her children. The Bible says a creditor had come to take her children as slaves to pay for what she had owed. Have you ever lived with the embarrassment of having a personal problem and all of a sudden it has a public consequence? What do you do? What do you do When the problem in the house is not just your problem, but it starts to affect those that you love. What do you do? Ever been there? What do you do when you look at other people that seem to be better off than you and you think, when's my turn going to come? You know, one of the things about testimonies is great. We praise God. But... I have to tell you, I have to be honest. Sometimes I've listened to testimonies and I've just sat there and I've just been miserable because I'm thinking, when's my turn? And I'm not really happy for them. Do you know what I'm saying? Not because I'm not happy for them, but I'm just depressed. What do you do? The Bible says her husband was among the company of prophets. That means there were other prophets that still existed, but her husband was dead. What do you do when you look at other people and they seem to be better off than you? What do you do? What do you do when other people seem to have more opportunities? What do you do when other people seem to have bigger strengths, more talent? What do you do when other people seem to be living okay, but you're in a mess? Have you ever been there? What do you do? And I just feel that some of us are perhaps living in that disappointment and perhaps some of us have been living in that disappointment for a while and if we're not careful that disappointment can cripple you because you think i've done everything right 
and yet nothing's turned out right. What do you do? This woman was a widow, and yet the creditor did not have the heart to come to her and say, Look, I understand you're a widow, your husband died, I'm just going to show you some compassion. This creditor comes and says, If you don't pay up, I'm taking your two children as slaves. What do you do when you go through difficult times and you expect compassion and support from people and it doesn't come? You thought certain people will stick up for you. You thought certain people will encourage you. You thought certain people would give out of their abundance. You thought certain people should have behaved better. But what do you do when you're miserable, but your misery does not seem to cause compassion in the people that are around you? Have you been there? What do you do? And the biggest challenge when you're going through a problem like that, and it, just, and it affects not just you, but your children, is that you start living with guilt. And you try to tell yourself, I'm a bad mom. My children don't have anything to eat and they're probably going to go become slaves because of me. It's my fault. Have you, ever have, you ever, have you ever noticed that? After a while, you always start blaming yourself. Yeah, my husband died, but I should have done better. I should have worked harder. I should have, I should have been better off to look after my sons. What do you do when you're living with disappointment, but the disappointment turns into guilt? And you think it's your fault. What do you do? And if that guilt is not dealt with. And that depression and the disappointment is not dealt with. Some of us are really sitting there and thinking maybe the end is near. But I feel that God is telling this house this morning that God is awesome in this place. That God is awesome in this place, regardless of how big the disappointment is, or regardless of how big the guilt may seem, or regardless of how impossible the situation may seem. I feel like prophesying and saying, God is awesome in this place. God is awesome in this place. God is awesome in this church. God is awesome in this family. God is awesome in this individual. Never give up. It's not over till God says it's over. It's not over till God says it's over. And when you are there, the number one tactic the devil will use is this. He'll tell you that you're not worthy enough to go and seek help. Have you ever had a bad face in your journey with God where you've not really prayed, not really read the Bible. You've just sort of been lukewarm. And then all of a sudden you want to get back. What's the first thought that goes through your mind? What? Am I worthy? Who are you trying to fool? Don't pretend you're holy. Ever had all these thoughts go through your mind? I mean, I've been there. 
But the situation was so dire that it had come to the point where the children were able, were about to be taken away as slaves. Yet the Bible says the woman came to Elisha. Today Elisha is dead and gone, but I know that there is someone who we can turn to at all times, who is forever alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on your behalf and mine. He is my advocate in the courtroom, my physician in the doctor's room. He is able at all times to hear my cry. The Bible says his ears are always open to the cries of his children. Never let the devil tell you that it's too late to seek help. It is never too late. Grace is available even today. Amen. It is. The Bible says, let us therefore approach his throne of grace with confidence. That we may receive grace and mercy in times of need and help. I want to tell you today, it's not too late to ask for mercy. It's not too late to ask for help. Don't let the devil tell you that you're not worthy. He bought you with his precious blood. That's how worthy you are. You have to go and ask for grace and mercy. Do you think, can you imagine what would have happened if this woman had thought it's too late? I'm just going to let them take my sons away. Yet even at the last moment, she was willing to go and seek help. I wonder if there are maybe few of us sitting here and mulling over our problems and our challenges and not really having the boldness to go to God and say, God, this is desperate. I need some help. I want to tell you, God is willing, God is able, God is compassionate. And so this woman says, this is the problem. Now, Elisha says, what shall I do for you? What do you have in your house? See, he answers a question with two questions. Question number one, what shall I do for you? Question number two, what do you have in your house? The first question indicates that Elisha is willing to help. The second question indicates that the help is going to come through the woman. You see, man always focuses on what is absent. God always focuses on what is present. Turn to someone and say, what do you have in your house? Come on, ask them, what do you have in your house? What do, what do you have in your house? A and listen to the woman's answer. She says, I have nothing. I have nothing but. I have nothing. Do you see that? She says, I have nothing but. I have nothing but. See, man, we always focus on what we don't have. L let me give you a few examples. There was this guy called Moses, yeah? He was standing in front of this mighty sea, water before him, an army behind him. He said, God, help. Do you know what God said? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? 
So I've got a stick. Oh, that'll do. That'll do. Another time, 12 disciples came to Jesus and said, look, you really need to send this huge crowd away because this is a deserted place and we don't have enough food to feed all of them. Jesus said, what do you have? Got five loaves. That'll do. That'll do. I'll tell you the most amazing story. God the Father one day looked at the world and, and he saw that the world was lost. And he looked at himself and said, what's in the house? He said, I've got a son. God said, that'll do. God said, that'll do. What do you have in your house? See, that's where I have given up most in my journey with God is always there. I love getting to that place where I want to ask God to help me. But when God tells me that I'm responsible for my breakthrough, I don't want to go forward. Because I want it delivered on a silver plate while I've got my legs up. And I just want God to bless me. Hand it over to me. Jesus says a parable about the talents. Do you remember that story? He said one man had how many? Five. The other had three. And the last one had? See, the one, the guy who had the one, the Bible says he went and hid it. When the master came back after many years, do you know what the master called him? You wicked and lazy servant. See, wickedness and laziness are brothers. They're related. They're in the same family. We have to realize that we are the people we've been waiting for. We have to realize that we are the people we've been waiting for. The sooner you can just shake yourself and say, what am I going to do about this? What is in my house? I better get up and do something. The sooner you resolve to do that, the quicker your breakthrough will be there. But what we do is we sit back and hope for Elisha to do something on our behalf. But the question to King's Church this morning is, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? I said, I have nothing. But I've got a jar of oil. Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. What do you have in the house? So Elisha says, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not just a few. Here's the thing about breakthrough and here's the thing about God's blessing. God is awesome in this place, but for that to work out, it requires you to move by faith. It requires us to take a few steps of obedience, not seeing the oil and then going and borrowing vessels, but borrowing vessels before we see the oil. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. If you're always waiting for God to do something before you will obey him, The truth is, you might be waiting a long time. Turn to the the person next to you and and say, whose move is it next? Is it yours or is it God's? 
Come on, ask them. And ask them for an answer. Say, whose move is it next? Whose move is it next? I'm just suggesting maybe it's your move next. Maybe it's your move next. We walk by faith, not by sight. He said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not just a few. See, these vessels indicate faith. It represents that something is going to happen. See, your body language should represent what you're about to receive, not what you've got now. Your body language should represent what you're about to receive. See, you go to a restaurant, the food has not yet arrived. Yet you unfold the napkin, put it on your lap, and you've got the knife and fork ready. You haven't seen the food. Why? Why are you getting ready? Because there is an expectation of what is about to come. And when we follow God, everything about you should represent what is about to come. The Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. Do you know what a vision is? A vision is simply a picture of an expected future. Picture of a preferred future. And your body language and your investment and your time and everything that you do has to represent what you are going to receive by faith. I have the opportunity now to preach here and preach in other places. But I'll tell you what. There was a time when God called me and said, you will preach. And you will travel the world to share God's news. God's good news. But I'll tell you what. I did not even have a single preaching invitation. But I sat down with a book. I started writing notes and preparing sermons. Not because I saw opportunity, but because I knew in my spirit that one of these days my season will change. I wonder what you're doing with your life that shows that you're expecting something. If you ask somebody who's in medical college, they'll tell you I'm in college now because I'm expecting to be a doctor one day. If you ask someone who's in law school, they'll tell you, I'm not a lawyer yet. But all that I'm doing now, the fees I'm paying, the books I'm buying, the essays I'm writing, is an indication that one day I hope to be a lawyer. I wonder what you are doing with your time, with your money, with your resources. Above all, with the grace of God that is available for you lavishly, that indicates that your tomorrow is going to be better than your today. Go and borrow vessels and borrow not just a few. That's what the Bible says. Go and borrow vessels and borrow not just a few. See, we need to dream big dreams. Our dreams need to be big. Our vision has to be big. Not just a few. Go and borrow vessels, not just a few. Not just a few. Not just a few. We have, to, we have to get out of this low living and low giving and low dreaming. Not just a few. Borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Not just a few. Expand your horizons. Dream big dreams. Ask God to renew your mind. Ask God to give you a new hope. A new desire to follow him. A new passion. New faith. 
Go and borrow vessels, not a few. Then he said, go in and shut the door behind you and your children and start pouring into all these vessels. When each is full, set it aside. When each is full, set it aside. Now I want to ask you a basic question. The Bible says, when each is full, set it aside. Yeah? Can you say that with me? When each is full, set it aside. Now, if that line had said, if each is full, set it aside, what, what, what does that mean? If you were to replace the word when with the word if, would the meaning be different? When each is full, set it aside. That's what Elisha said. But instead of saying that, if he had said, if each is full, set it aside, what would it mean? That it could be full or it couldn't be full. But Elisha didn't say if, he said when. That means it's not a matter of will it, but it's a question of when. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. It's not a question of whether it might happen. It's not a question of whether God might bless you. It's just a question of when it's going to happen. I want to tell you today that it's just around the corner. I, I, want, I want your hope to be stirred up today. I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to look beyond your horizons. I want you to look beyond your walls and say, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. When each is full, set it aside. But he said, when you do that, make sure you shut your door. Here's the problem. Once you start walking by faith, that's when distractions start to come. How many of you know that you've got more distractions and more trials and more troubles today that you're a Christian than when you were not a Christian? Go in and shut the door. We have to be so focused on obeying what God has spoken. Listen, most of our breakthrough depend on divine instruction. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when we proceed to obey that which has proceeded from God's mouth, divine grace and power is released in that obedience. Go in and shut the door. I wonder if there is anything that is distracting you today from following Jesus passionately. I wonder if there's anything distracting you today to committing to church passionately. I wonder if there's anything distracting you today from pouring out what is in you. Resources, time, talents, money. I wonder if there's anything that's coming in the way to distract you from pouring out that which is in you. And you know what your distractions are. And if there is any, can I just encourage you today to shut the door? Shut the door. You may, you may look like a fool in the eyes of the world, 
because they're going to say, what are you actually going to do with all these vessels? But if God has spoken, press through. It's only a matter of time. If God has spoken, press through. It's only a matter of time. When each is full, set it aside. And they kept bringing vessels to her and she kept pouring. They kept bringing vessels to her and she kept pouring. They kept bringing vessels and she kept pouring. You see, in the family, everybody had a job to do. There were some people who were responsible for bringing the vessels. And there was someone who was responsible for pouring it. And sometimes, if we could just get together, we'd be doubly blessed. Because the mom needed money, but the children needed money too. And the family is representative of the church. And I want to just tell you that your breakthrough often is hidden behind opportunities of service that are present within the local church. I remember one day when I was in I was in a church I was attending and I had volunteered to help with the Christmas decorations. It was Christmas time or it was New Year time sometime then. And I was just going around helping with it. And my pastor saw me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just helping with the, with the decorations, you know. And he said, well, just drop it, come. I want you to start prophesying over this team. I had no idea I could prophesy. But I'll tell you this, the opportunity for ministry was hidden in me volunteering just to put up decorations. And I'm not saying you should do things in order that people will notice. But I'll tell you this. If your heart and your motives are pure on the inside, there is a God who sees in secret that will reward in public. And maybe there are some here that can do the pouring, but we just need some people that can bring the vessels. Are you up for it? Maybe you can't do the pouring. You can bring the vessels. Do it. Maybe you can't bring the vessels, but you can pour. Do that. We could be further on if we just got together. Don't you think? We could be. But a lot of ego has to die in that process. Because we all can't be people who pour and we all can't be people who bring vessels. We just have to make sure that the success of the team is more important than the ambition of the individual. I just feel that God is going to do something in this season, in this church, for which you have to get ready. That there is something more, that there is something that's going to pour out, that there's something that's going to burst through in this place where you will not just be blessed in your individual selves, but there will be such an abundance that you will be a blessing to many. I speak that over this church and over every individual that's here in Jesus' name. And she said, bring me another vessel. And she said, 
and and the child said there isn't any more she came to the man of god and said i've done what you've told me to do she did not stop until she completed what god had told her to do and sometimes we've missed our blessing because we've been in a hurry and we've wanted to do things our time and not wait for god's timing i'll tell you this i'll be honest if i was that woman and i saw that there was enough oil to clear my debt i'd stop pouring then but she kept pouring until there was not another vessel to bring she came to the man and said i've done it he said go and sell that oil clear your debt you and your family live on the rest i'll tell you this god's intention for your life is not just to fix the problem but to propel you forward from the problem god's intention for you is not just for you to somehow get out of the rut but god's provision and purpose for you always is that you may overflow the woman never came to him and said look i need some money to for the future he said i just need some money to clear the debt but by the end of the story there was not only enough money to clear the debt and free the children but the master says sell the oil you and your children live on the rest i want to tell you this god's plan for your life is always to take whatever struggle you're in and not just deliver you out of it but make sure that you are better off because of it that's what amazing grace can do how many of us are up for that yeah how many of us are up for that seriously god is able 